Hello and welcome to another episode of Fintech Focus TV with me, Toby Babb. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined all the way from New York City by Karen Goshen from Matechi. Karen, how are you? Hi, Toby. How are you? I'm good. Um, New York is uh, not New York that everyone knows, but Definitely it not, is, is it? what it is. <laughs> so listen, I've been, I've been going out there you know, sort of four or five times a year for the last four or five years now since we, since we opened up in New York and, and I absolutely love it. But it's been uh, it's been it's been hit incredibly hard recently, hasn't it? And and I think the sort of uh, the sort of you know, sparkle of, of New York has been you know it's, it's similar to London over here. It's very difficult to sort of have a capital you know, or a city of such vibrancy that's uh, that that's, that's suddenly transformed so much. Tell us a little bit about what's happening out there at the moment. Where are we so in the curve? on Sunday we had beautiful weather, not uh, in December New York weather. So we went out and we said, okay, let's go and take a look on like the famous tree in Rockefeller Center. So usually to get to see the tree in like a normal year, it will take you like two hours to wait in line and then you'll get to like a peak of the tree like with tons of people. Uh, so this year it was completely empty, no is lines. Yeah, the, and then we- And is there still the skating there as well? Yeah, but it's completely empty. You can actually go and ski. <laughs> See, like this skating. It's like the first time that you have a chance to actually do it. But it's it's so it is sad because New York is so different and you're walking on Fifth Avenue and this is like the peak season of gifts and buying and shopping. Uh, and the stores are empty and Fifth Avenue is empty. Um, and then and then you start to realize how hard New York was heated uh, by COVID. It's like it's 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 un, un, unbelievable. Well, look, it'll make the uh, it'll make the bounce back even more pronounced, won't it? I'm looking yeah. forward to to, to seeing yeah. that happen. We will see that robust uh, comeback, and I'm, yeah. I'm pleased to see the vaccines uh, started to be rolled out out there as well. So yeah. look, we'll come on to all all of that. There's loads to be <laughs> lo loads to be talking about, and uh, but I want to talk about your you, you've got an incredible journey, and I'm really looking forward to diving into that in a bit more detail. But before we do that, um, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing. Matechi sounds like a really interesting business. You know, not talking in too crass a manner, it's a really interesting time for for the area that you're in at the moment, isn't it? Couldn't be yeah. better uh, sort of situated with, with what's happening in the, in the global economies at the moment. So please do give us a little bit of background about uh, Matechi and, and your journey so far. Thanks. So um, so we started Matechi somewhere on 2018 and we had in mind like actually a digital syndication desk. So uh, working with banks and financial institutions and connecting between them to allow them to do more commercial real estate deals um, and get to know more people and have more relationships. So let's assume someone like the bank need to write a loan of $50 million. So sometimes they say, yes, we can do a $50 million. Sometimes they say, no, it's too big for us. So we came in exactly there uh, so the bank can always say yes to a $50 million if, it, it, if he feels that the deal is right for him. So then he will come to us and he'll say, we want to write only $20 million check. Can you help us find someone to write a $30 million check? And together we can uh, write this loan. So that's how Metechi started. It was before COVID. And we thought about, if you'll think about JP Morgan, 
uh, and the big one. So they have this fancy syndication desk. They have tons of people working there. They have like, um, they know everyone. Everyone wants to work with them. So they can close every deal because they always have partners. But in the United States, we have like 6,000 banks and maybe the big 30 has a syndication desk, but all the rest do not. So they just need this capability to work together and to finance deals together. And that's how Metechi started. Mm. Today, we're much, much smarter and we can do much more. So we can do the syndication and participation part and we can do a whole loan sale. We can do auction. We can do bids. Uh, we can do origination on new loans. So now Metech is not a digital syndication desk, but it's like a desk to manage all your debt strategy. Okay. And that, 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 I'm fascinated by these sort of uh, gaps in the market and how they appear and where, where uh, people respond to this sort of demand. Where did that come from? What, what made you see that? And, and, that, and what was the sort of vision and the, uh, the purpose behind, behind launching? So it was... It was a weird story that we read on the Israeli newspapers okay. that sponsors and borrowers from the States are going to raise uh, money in Israel and they are doing all kinds of like weird things to get to Israel and structure deals different to sell it to the Israeli market. And then the Israeli market looks at it and rate it very low. And it was, it was a real gap between if they, if they cannot raise the money here in the state for 4%, why should they go to Israel and they can get 4% in Israel, but they cannot get a rate of 4% in the United States? So what, what's the difference between what's going here and what's going there? So Israelis are really, really smart. The market is really sophisticated. So why they are saying yes to 4% rate and, um, and the US market are saying no to 7 8 rate percent for the same deal and then we realized that it's just a gap of like it's a gap of deal flow and it's a gap of relationships so israelis doesn't have access to each and every deal that is happening here they don't know everyone here and if you're not like a huge institution or a huge bank in israel you don't know what's going on here so you just need access you need someone that will allow you to get the deal flow and when you're getting the deal flow, you're getting also the relationship for the next deal. So you're doing one deal for the next deal, you'll have like the relationship and people will reach out to you. So that was like, we just realized that the access is really, people missing the access to the deal flow and missing the ability to see the deals and create a relationship. Um, and then we came, we went, we took um, a long tour on the uh, financial markets here in, uh, in the state and we realized it's almost the same. So if you're like, again, 30 big largest bank in the state and 30 largest fund in the state, no one needs to uh, introduce you anyone, okay? So if you're Blackstone, BlackRock, KKR or uh, JP and um, Wells Fargo, you don't need help, you'll be fine. But mm -hmm. if you're a bank number, hundred um, and you have like 50, 70, maybe hundred million, hundred billion dollar assets under management, you're a huge bank, you don't know everyone. So sometimes you do need those relationships. And the other thing that we found is like, it's not about the relationship and the deal flow. It's also about the management. So it's like bank are, banks are doing uh, business in more old fashioned way. 
And now we came with a product that is very, very advanced technology wise. We put a lot of effort on the user experience part. So it's easy, it's fun. So even if you're working for a bank, you can still use products that are advanced and it's fun to work with and they are very, very efficient. And it's not like those old fashioned products that were like around 25 years ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it's, uh, you know, I alluded to it a little bit beforehand as well. This is a, yeah, this is kind of like the perfect storm in many ways for, for, uh, um, for, for this sort of industry. You know, we're, we're in at a time, yeah. look, you started, you started the business, what, three years ago, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So three years ago, this, you know, we were, we've had, um, you know, various economic cycles that we were looking exactly. at, but we, we've probably seen a, a bit of strength in the US market in, in particular and, and sort of growth in that, in that, in, in the economy over a sustained period. Mm-hmm. This year, that's obviously been shaken a little bit for okay. everything that you've just mentioned in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, the high street through to, you know, through, through to everything else. We've seen a, a, a fundamental change in economics that's created uh, you know, many, many problems all over the world. Uh, and uh, we were talking before beforehand, uh, you know, a series of non-performing loans. And, and, uh, and, uh, and I love this, this is, and I'm going to quote you directly, a tsunami of distressed debt, right? <laughs> so we're, we're seeing this, uh, yeah, this incredible story behind distressed debt that's happened from a macroeconomic basis that we don't know necessarily what comes out the other side of that or what the economics of it are going to look like in 6, 12, 18 months and how, you know, how economies globally um you know survive this and and then you know rebuild from it we've seen a, a governmental change uh in the states um mm-hmm. you know which which obviously has a completely shift in policies with some interesting sort of uh throw out over here in the uk you know brexit and such like uh, puts yeah. another another uh face on every on everything as well so we're seeing a very very interesting market that you're sat in does that work well for you does that uncertainty create um you know further problems and how do how, how do we shape it into an opportunity how are you shaping it into an opportunity so first of all it was really really it, it shake us up and it was the hardest timing for the startup and it's mm. it's never good to be a small startup on like when a huge tsunami is coming okay it's like you're very small the market is huge and um banks here in the states were completely shut down uh, it took them a while to go back to do uh, commercial real estate. I still see uh, numbers that are speaking about a uh, 50% drop in the new origination in the United States. So this is like 50% of the new origination is gone, mm-hmm. not doing it all. Uh, we do see, sh- because banks didn't move uh, fast enough and they were very, very busy with the PPP loans. So uh, some of the market did shift to non-banks lenders, to direct lenders, bridge lenders. The funds took a lot of like the work from the banks, uh, but then prices are different when it's like the work is shifting from a bank that is writing the loan to a debt fund that is writing the loan. You won't get, get the same interest rate, that's for sure. So we see a lot of shifting in uh, pricing also. So, but starting like around June, we decided after really thinking it over and over and over that Metechi is a great solution at, and it's like real uh, and it's good positioning uh, for, the, for dealing with the stress debt sale. So 
we know it will take a while. Everyone expected uh, the distress debt tsunami and wave to start at the end of 2020. But because, as you said, of different regulations and uh, different uh, government support, we are moving to uh, Q1, Q2 of 2021, but it will happen. So the numbers are speaking about $400 billion of distressed debt only in the United States. I'm not speaking about the UK, Germany, France, Europe, the Far East, okay? So this is just the US. This is a huge market um, that mainly banks, but also funds and other lenders will have to take those loans out of their book, um, either because regulation will make, make them do it, like what we saw at, back in 2008, or because they just want to like save whatever they can save and just get rid of the loan, take it off their books and move forward. So to do so, that, that's when technology is getting into and helping you and supporting the sale of the distressed debt. So let's assume a bank need to get rid of like a, lo like a $500 million loan that he needs to sell. Sometimes behind this portfolio, you can see hundreds of different loans that are making this 500 million uh, portfolio. So he can. So the bank will have two different choices. He will either come directly to us, put the loan on the platform. And when I'm saying put, it's, it's like just, we created a beautiful uh, wizard that will take them through. It will put, they'll just put all the details in. It will create a beautiful teaser for them open a data room, they'll push out all their documents inside the data room, they'll push the button and we'll send it to all potential buyers that our algorithm find as a match to this specific portfolio. The other thing that they can do, and a lot of banks are doing that, is they'll give the broker this portfolio, but the broker, instead of like picking the phone and sending tons of email, he will come to, to us and will do the exact same process. But the bank will just have someone to help them manage the sale because um, selling the notes is not like writing the notes. It's, you, you need different skills. It's a different ball game. So you, you need someone that can actually manage the sale. So it's either the bank, if it's big enough and have like a special asset team, or they'll go to a broker or it depends on the size of the loan, but eventually it will come to us and we will help them sell it. So, so you've written in the past about sort of technology being a, a sort of driver of solutions into this space and how tech can, you know, can sort of come in and disrupt a, a, an industry that's been around for a long, long time, you know, re realistically. Talk to me about how, how that comes in and, and, and how tech provides a much better solution for it, because I'm really fascinated at the moment. It's been, and I've been speaking <laughs> all year to companies there who are identifying these, these sort of pain points and these friction points uh, in experience and, and being able to, to sort of you know, deliver genuine solutions to it. Tell us about you know, how, how tech is, is, is helping people in this sort of scenario. OK, so first of all, we're not like the only company that is doing that, but this is such a huge market. So there is a place for more. And what we did different, and that's why we pull technology to help is usually the old platform, what they'll do, they'll take the deal from the bank and they'll either act as a broker for the bank or uh, run an auction on this deal. But the bank or the seller is losing complete control on the deal. Okay. So once you gave it to the platform, what like 20 years 
back they call technology it was you just lost it it's like going to a, an auction house okay you gave it they'll do the auction you'll get what you'll get and that's it so we thought technology can help them use a different approach and say you're the bank you know better than us or hire a broker that know better than both of us and let's but still have a, a complete control over your deal so we'll have technology help you control your deal so you can have a one-stop shop for everything you'll upload the deal you'll have a data room you'll have a live chat you'll have a video call everything is on the platform now it will allow you to manage your deal better and we'll connect you on the other side to thousands of thousands of buyers that like in a click of a button will sign the NDA, get access to your data room and start a conversation with you. So it's like here technology will is the first streamlining this process and making this uh, relationship doable. So if you think um, about LinkedIn, so I'm always saying that before LinkedIn, everyone thought that thought they know everyone. It's like, oh, I know everyone in this industry, in my city, whatever. And then came LinkedIn. And then you realize, you know, maybe a friction of a friction of whoever. Yeah, from Change what, the game for sure. Yeah, it's a game changer. So think about this one exactly now. So instead of the bank just picking the, and the phone and saying, oh, I have five guys that reach out to me and they are doing some NPLs buying. So I'll just call them and I'll open a data room somewhere and then I'll send them an email from another place and then I'll have a meeting with them and then I'll call my lawyer and then he will call them. So take all of this and just put it on one platform and then technology is working for, for you and you can just click the button. Everyone will just see your deal and then you can actually manage it and be much more efficient. Um, and of course, fees. So we are using technology, the market standard fees are like 5%. We are doing 2%. This is a huge uh, gap uh, that we can, and we can do it because we are using technology and not running each deal with like 10, 15 people. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's fa it's fa the, the efficiencies and, and, and uh, the way it cuts through and allows, allows these sort of things to happen fascinate me. And, and that LinkedIn analogy is absolutely on point. Karen, I want to move a little bit into your story because I think it's fascinating. And I'm going to talk back about a, uh, a LinkedIn, you know, speaking into circling back to LinkedIn again. Yeah. Um, I saw something from you, uh, you know, a little, a little while ago that I thought, you know, got, got a lot of traction, went viral on, 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 <laughs> on LinkedIn. Uh, and it was a little bit about your story. And I want to focus on this because I think it's great. So, you, so you uh, you came over to uh, to, to America um, six years ago now, I believe, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And uh, co-founded a business uh, three years ago. And I think one of the great things about this this story is, is uh, yeah, this is somewhere there where, where people were telling you that it that it couldn't be done, that it shouldn't be done, that you were you know set up to fail, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so far, proven and very much wrong, which which I which, which so. I love from it. <laughs> But I loved your 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 point in there, saying, "Look, after being told no about you know why you couldn't succeed in in a in a, in a startup for numerous different reasons, uh, which you, which you, you can go you can go into, it's uh, you're, you're sat there and saying that the 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 things that absolutely and this is what something which is very very dear to my heart, um, which is saying that there's the things that you've noticed are, are the lessons of six years in America, three years in fintech, have been." 
but the things that make success happen in, in, in the space is about passion, people and hard work. And if anyone who knows me has heard me speaking over the last 20 years of doing my, my job, uh, you look at three ingredients that I think are the, the secret source of any successful business. It's an absolute passion for what you're doing. You know, my job fortunately is about people um, and making sure that we put great people into great businesses that allow them to, you know, to sort of grow and thrive. So I absolutely agree with you on that. And hard work is, is very difficult to substitute for success in, in anything else as well. So tell me a little bit about the, you know, what, what made you write that post on LinkedIn and, uh, <laughs> and take, us, take us through that story a little bit, because I love it. And I think, it's a, I think it's a great one to share with people. Okay, so, um, when, so part of like being an entrepreneur and creating this startup, people were starting to reach out to me and say, okay, you need to be out there. It's like, you can't be uh, like an anonymous uh, person. You have to like share your story, share like um, people want to know you. Eventually people are doing business with people, not with technology. Even if technology will be super, super uh, advanced, still we need this like relationship and personal connection. So I decided to start like from the beginning and actually share my story and it was super surprised. I was surprised to see how many people react, people that I'll never meet and I never thought I might meet. So it's, it was really nice to see and I got a lot of love and it, it's really nice and it, it's nice to feel this, <laughs> this uh, support. So what I shared over there is like, oh, yeah, more than six years ago, we relocated to uh, New York, my husband and my uh, partner in the startup, another crazy story. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's a professor of law at Columbia University. And then we decided to come for his sabbatical only for a year. I took a leave of absence for my uh, job in Israel. Uh, I left my car in my garage. I left my apartment standing in Israel and just came for a year, just a fun year here in New York. Um, and six years later, <laughs> I'm still here in New York. I don't have an apartment in Israel anymore and not a car. <laughs> I was going to say what happened to the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the car is gone. <laughs> the apartment is gone. The parking space is gone. And then after, so the first year was fun. It was just the first sabbatical. The second year, I realized we were staying um, and we need to create a new life. It's, 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 so people are imagining relocation only on the fun part of it, but it's like, you need to create a new life, new uh, friends, new, uh, you need to find a place that you like the grocery. It's like, it, it's everything from the start, everything from the start. And you need to learn English because you need to, to use it. So everyone in Israel knows English, but it's not the same what you learn in school and what real life is bringing over, as you can hear. <laughs> Um, well, I, I, honestly you keep talking yourself down on that but you're better than me <laughs> no I'm not we just have different accents that's it <laughs> um, and then um, wandering around in New York meeting new people sending my son to school um, getting to know the city and the people around um, Zara and I were starting of thinking what are we going to do it's like okay we are here we're staying. We want to do something uh, that will take everything that we did until now. As you can see, we're, I'm not that young anymore. And it's like, uh, we did a lot in our life and just dropping it. It's not, it, it felt like not something right for me. 
And then we came up with a startup idea, as I said, from something we wrote on the newspaper. Um, and then we decided to, to try. I must say that what we, you read about startup and what people think about startup, it's not what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work. And it's not always... the glamorous bit. They don't exactly. Talk about <laughs> so there is some glamorous, but it's, it's not a 90-10, it's a 10-90. <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, and I do, um, and I always say it's a roller coaster that doesn't have a stop. It, it's like you're, you're, once you're on it, it never stops. Um, and you need to be ready for this ride, but, um, I'm so, so happy we, we did it and we tried it. And as you said, many people told me um, that it's not going to happen. So I'm not, I wasn't born in America. English is not my first language. I didn't uh, study at uh, Wharton or Penn or whatever. Um, I'm not from the financial industry. I wasn't, I didn't work for JP Morgan ever in my life. So I had and and for the tech world, I was like almost 40 when we started the startup. And it's like 40 for startup world is like, wow, what are you doing here? You can be my grandma. So it's like everything was like wrong, wrong positioning. And then we decided to work with banks on top of things and institutional investors. And then people said, okay, you're either we don't know what's wrong with you, but that's not going to happen. It's like all knows that you can collect, you put like in one basket. But still, as I said, and I think that now even more than before. So it's, it's about really about entrepreneurs and people believing in themselves and not like not seeking the advice of other people that think you can't, you won't, you shouldn't. Um, it's not about other people. It's about us believing in ourselves, um, doing all the hard work, constantly doing the hard work every day, every day, um, even when it's very hard and you want to like say, okay, that's it. I'm over. I'm done. I'm too old for that. Let's, let's find someone else that will take it. And it happens sometimes. It's just like being persistent, keep going. And I think the most important thing is the people that are around you so creating the best team sometimes even like it's more important than the best product because if you have a great team that have a mutual goal working together nicely uh, with like a lot of vision and a lot of like inspiration and a lot of like belief you can do it. So I'm, I'm always telling that in Israel, some, a lot of startups were like, first they created the team and only then they came up with the idea um, mm. and it worked beautifully. So you can do it this way or this way, but you have to have this like strong team to start with. And thanks God we have it. And we have amazing people um, on our team and we couldn't do it without them. It's like, it's, it's, it's really like, we need everyone on board to do like to make a startup happen yeah i think i think there's there's so much sense to that and and uh yeah if you look at the israeli tech startup scene it has been you know it's punched way above its weight for years uh and it's uh you know as as, as has so much of uh you know israel full stop it's uh it outperforms you know compared to its size yeah. and, and, and always always has done 
And I think that's you know, particularly around tech and, and everything that's innovated around there and as a centre for innovation. And it comes down to exactly what you've just spoken about. You know, the, the talent density, is, is, uh, to, yeah, to coin the Netflix term, is, uh, is all about having those sort of world-class teams and then being able to create amazing things that come out, come out of it. And, you know, I, this, is, this is one of my soapbox you know, subjects, which I, which I talk on for, you know, for, for hours and hours and hours, because I believe fundamentally that any business is solely reliant on its uh, on its people and if you have a great product but you've got terrible people that business will never achieve anything never and conversely if you've got a poor product but you select the best people then to to deal with it and you know what problem you're looking to solve that product can become world class it doesn't happen the other way around you can't have a world class product and expect it to do everything on itself and continue to iterate and, and improve for a long term and that's where you see so much so many different things so that that core selection of a team is my great passion in, in my professional life to make sure that everyone understands you know, the significance and the importance of making sure that they're collecting great people around it. And I'm so, so pleased to hear you you, know, you talk about that, that sort of and, special source to any business. And, and yeah, and, and, I, as well. and it was, I think, the, so not the hardest and most like that uh, I spent like tons of time and money on it. That was the real challenge, getting the right team, the right people um, on board with us. And I, I, it was much harder than technology. It was much hmm. harder than um, even, even selling it to new customers. Um, yeah. The market was so, so competitive. Uh, we're working with like top talent from the financial industry. It's very expensive to have them. Um, and it sometimes like the beginning, it takes time to understand that you cannot do it without them. It's, you cannot like um, exchange a top tier financial industry um, manager with like three young professionals that just uh, graduated from college. It's not yeah. working. Sometimes you, you need those people, you need their experience. Um, and, and, we saw a huge change when so when we came up with the right team it was like it was like a magic like everything's just happening and now through covid so i don't know the the offices here in new york are still closed we're not going like last eight months yeah. we're working like remotely um but it worked beautifully because the team is so strong everyone has this passion to to break it, to make it, to like be out there, to be very successful, and it works. I love that. I love that. Yeah, and, and exactly the point that the durability of this time has absolutely tested strength of teams and and people's trust and faith and and uh, yeah in in their people and and yeah if you've got that sort of uh, quality of people around it, it's made this this whole period actually workable for for you know for, for, for the companies that have had that right. For companies that haven't, it's been a lot more uh, you know, pressured for sure. You, the, the other thing I want to talk to you about on your background is 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 your sort of journey to co-founding a fintech business. Because as you say, look, there isn't that financial services background, which is which is unusual. So what I see, you know, traditionally in terms of a founder in the space is is probably about three or four different backgrounds. You have a number of people um, who come from a legal background, um, you know, so people who've been in that sort of space who, who've uh, seen, you know, particularly around the compliance sector, um, opportunities in the marketplace. And I've been speaking to a lot of people over the recent months who are uh, lawyers turned entrepreneurs, um, you know, down, down that particular route. 
The second one is, is, is a sort of an increasing wave of, uh, of product people. So product managers, uh, heads of product, product CPOs, who've then taken their sort of experience and ready to, to sort of look at a market and disrupt in that sort of space. And there's been some real success around that area. The third piece uh, is technologists. Uh, and quite often I see with that, so pure techies who are, who are providing problems, are pro providing uh, are solving purest problems. So not necessarily the most commercial issues, which absolutely need that, that sort of play. And so where, where they succeed is because they create great tech. Where they lose it is because, you know, traditionally that, that sort of mix of technology and, and, uh, and, and sales and people have, have not blended as particularly well. Uh, people management haven't blended as particularly well as it could do. So there's another route for it. And the one which uh, which I see as, as which is probably seen as the traditional route for for uh, uh, entrepreneurs in particular is that sales sort of route or finance. So for, you know, finance is probably a fifth piece. But you look at the uh, the CFO and, or financial director term entrepreneur. But probably the traditional route has been sales. In FS, you probably see a little bit less of that. Mm -hmm. um, but with you, your background being a chief revenue officer and going through there, how far how's that helped you in this journey so far? So first of all, I used to be a lawyer also, but I'm not. Oh, that, that, yeah, but that <laughs> didn't push me anywhere, trust me. Um, but I, so first of all, I think what I took from being the chief revenue back in Israel is more about the operation and being able to manage uh, a success team. So it's like choosing the right people, giving them whatever they need to be successful, supporting them and being able to manage all this operation. Um, so this is, I think this is the most important part that I took from sale, but I think um, maybe entrepreneurial spirit and maybe being brave or believing yourself on and, and is also important and not like your background is important, but not it's like, even if you're not coming from product, from law, from sales, from, I don't know, whatever, you can still do it. So you have, but, but you need to have like this strong passion to do it. You need to do a great market uh, <laughs> research and you need to work with the right people. And then you can see people coming from all different places and different backgrounds that are really, really successful. So I, and I think that going back to the post, I think that's what made a lot of people reacted to my post because they were looking for this, um, for someone that will say, you can do it. So even if you're not, uh, you don't have this classic background, you, you can still do it. Yeah. You might need different partners to achieve this goal. You might, look for different um, people to join your team. You might uh, do it in a different space, but you can still do it. It's like, um, and I think this is the most important part because until today, people are still asked, like have a lot of questions are about my background. I'm not coming from finance. I'm not from the US. So what dragged me into it? How you can make it? It's about teams. And about belief and it's like and i must say it's it's not also not only about us so i'm a big <laughs> i'm a religious um believer i believe in god and i do believe that you should create some space for god to help you 
and it's not all about us. So what we are doing, we should do very, very well. We should work really hard. We should build a very strong team, but we should leave some space and believe that not everything is in our hands and we're not controlling everything. And I think COVID is just a great, great example of what we have in mind about what the world can do and cannot do, what can happen and what is already like back in the past and will never happen. So, and here it is, it's a plague. We didn't expect it. We thought we left it like back in like whatever, but here it is. So um, not everything is on our hands. No, absolutely. And I, and I agree with that. I mean, you look back through the, the sort of uh, corridor of history and, it, and, it's, and it's not riddled over hundreds and hundreds of years with loads of loads of times like the one we're experiencing right now and uh and this has been a you know a, a great accelerator for experience and 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 people being able to learn and adapt and, and react to you know to all of those sort of things and as you say that there are things that are in your control and there are things that sometimes aren't but but what is is how you can react to that and find that opportunity and and, and uh, no, I find it massively inspiring and I love I love hearing about it and, and, and hearing what we've got to say. I, I want to end uh, just by sort of wrapping this up by talking a little bit about crystal balls and, and what's happening in the in the in the future. We 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 lurch into 2021. This may even go out in 2021 uh, as we're doing it. So as we look at that and see, you know, as you mentioned, you put some predictions there about Q1 and what we're going to see with the, the sort of uh, time bomb of distress distress debt that's uh, that's out there. Tell us a little bit about uh, you know, a prediction or two for, 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 ne for next year and what you see happening in 2021 and also what we can expect to see from Matechi and what your ambitions and hopes and dreams are for, uh, for the year ahead. Okay, so um, we are, as I said, focusing heavily on the distressed debt and um, going out to the market and becoming an alternative. So I do feel like eventually technology is changing people's state of mind. So I'm always using the Uber example. When I came from Israel and I said, how should I, so I need to take my son to school. It's snowing. What should I do? And people told me, take an Uber. And I said, what's an Uber? And they said, a, um, a driver that you don't know, come to pick you in his private car and he will drop you whatever you need. And I said, I'll go with a driver that I don't know in his own private car. This is like, it will never happen. Um, but then I tried it and now I'm like VIP in Uber and I'm using Uber three <laughs> times, four times a day. It's like, and when I'm going to places that they don't use Uber, I can't start understand why they're not using Uber. So that's yeah. exactly what Metechi is doing now. So Especially are, with that car still in Israel. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have a car here in New York. <laughs> Israel. <laughs> Um, so that's exactly what Metechi is doing now, to, um, reaching out to banks, to brokers, to lenders, to financial institutions and saying, okay, think about Uber. So you can still pick up the phone, reach out to people, use all kinds of different solutions, or you can use Metechi, do it more efficient, use technology for your own effort. So I do think we'll see more and more uh, technology in the service of commercial real estate, especially distressed debt and note sale on 2021. 
Um, and for Metechi, we're doing this one, but eventually Metechi, what we want to achieve is being not about commercial real estate, but about finance. So you can do true Metechi deals that are related to commercial real estate, but you can do true Metechi all other deals that are not related to commercial real estate, but they need uh, debt financing. So we are thinking about Metechi more on, on the, uh, and that's why we are, um, I'm in const constantly saying we're a fintech and not a prop tech. Um, so we just needed to start it somewhere. Everyone needs to choose where they, where they start. So we started at commercial real estate, but eventually we want to do all different aspects of finance. Lovely. And, and I think that's a, uh, yeah, a, a great ambition to look at, isn't it? Because it's so, <laughs> it's so, it's so, uh, it's so wide ranging in terms of where they could go. So who should be getting in touch with you? Who should be reaching out to you? Anyone that is looking, anyone that is institutions, banks, brokers that are dealing with commercial real estate distressed or performing we can do both fantastic and what's the best way of them doing it where should they reach you so my linkedin again my linkedin is my um i have everything over there um our company page metechi.com um get in touch yeah get in touch my email is there everything is there would love to hear from you Fantastic. Well, look, I, I, I love hearing the story. I'm really excited to sort of see that continued growth of what you're, you're doing. And, and congratulations. Keep proving them wrong. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful to see. Thank you so much for Thanks doing that. For it's been, it's been it was a, a really inspiring sort of afternoon to listen to that, that sort of story. And I hope everyone's enjoyed it as much as I have. Karen, thank you so much for coming so. on the show. Thank you. Thanks. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. We hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll see you soon on another episode of Fintech Focus TV. Thanks so much.